Today's episode is sponsored by the American Chemistry Council. Chemistry creates, America competes. Hey, welcome to Politico Tech. It's Thursday, August 17th. I'm Stephen Overly. You ever heard of a game called Spot the Fed? You know, when it was a small community and they didn't want police around, um, they would try to spot who the policeman and Spot the spook. Spot the Fed, yeah, exactly. And then you'd get a t-shirt that said, I spot the Fed. It's a game played at DEF CON, this big gathering of hackers that's been taking place since 1993. It was definitely awkward because in the early days there were definitely people doing very illegal things. But I think once the community grew up a little bit, professionalized a little bit, we now have cybersecurity as a profession, it's not awkward now. This is Heather Atkins. She's the vice president of security engineering at Google. This year, there weren't as many games as Spot the Fed because you didn't have to look hard. The government was there, the Pentagon, the Department of Homeland Security, the White House, all at this conference saying, hey, please help us out. So I think that's been there the whole time. Now, various subsequent kind of government people have been less or more over time. Um, you have somebody like um, General Alexander, who spoke at, um, it was DEF CON many years ago, um, you know, Secretary of Mayorkas today. Mm-hmm. So you kind of see it come and go. But I think there's long been a recognition that the community wants to help and the government clearly needs it. Private industry clearly needs it. I mean, they hire them as fast as they possibly can. You know, and credit to Jeff Moss for this, I think, because he really saw pretty early on, he had this conference called DEF CON full of hackers, and he could see the business community and the government really wanting to take an interest. On the show today... Tech reporter Mohar Chatterjee talks with me about her weekend at DEF CON and why it marked the start of an unconventional marriage between hackers and the federal government. Can you walk me through the conference and tell me kind of what it was like? What was the atmosphere? Sure. Uh, so I don't know if you've ever been to Vegas, but essentially a lot of the uh, big hotels, casinos, they're super close to each other. One of the things I figured out this DEF CON is you can go from casino to casino via this like network of tunnels, hallways, long hallways. Like it's wild. There is a there is there are back alleys to back alleys here. Yeah, in Vegas, you never have to see the sun if you don't want to. If you don't want to, exactly. And that's kind of what this conference was a little bit like. And we're recording from the AI Village for three days. Um, well, four: Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. You could sink in. 8 a.m., like start in Caesars Forum, make your way to Harrah's to link queues, you know, go to Flamingo and you could play, you know, capture the flag, which is this pretty popular cybersecurity exercise. You could look at, at, at the guts of a voting machine. You could participate in making tinfoil hats that you can then wear around the rest of the conference. You you saw people walking around with some pretty amazing creations, honestly. And if you win like some, uh, some of the contests, you can judge up your um, plastic badge with um, a lot of like different things. So you had people walking around with like light up badges. And it was kind of interesting, the the crowd there, because you had a lot of folks in black T-shirts. Like day two, 
I got the memo and I was wearing a black t-shirt. That's, that's the uniform. In the Vegas heat, exactly. But you also saw people in suits. There were I, I remember very distinctly watching this contingent of people, like very clearly federal government officials, like walking down in a as uh, wearing their their nice prim suits, and everyone around them like wearing these these cargo shorts and like black t-shirts. So uh, it's 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 kind of fun. Well, and that's. I think an interesting observation because the government had a very heavy presence at the conference this year, which is, has not always been true in the past. So, like, what walk me through kind of that, like, awkward alliance that sort of showed itself between hackers and the suits? Yeah, no, I will say... Uh, I spoke to a lot of people reminiscing about the good old days of like, oh, I remember when this was like subversive and whatnot. But fact is, the government's been uh, a heavier and heavier presence in these spaces for about uh, half a decade now, maybe more. Um, like Department of Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas took a shot at Jack Daniels on stage when he was uh, the first time, when it was his first time as a speaker at DEF CON. That was back in 2015. Okay, so they've been a- there they've for been a few around. years. This year was the first time the Pentagon's AI chief, Dr. Craig Martell, the head of the chief digital and artificial intelligence office, he went up on stage for the first time this year. It's a pretty cool role. Effectively, uh, that makes I'm him the Pentagon's AI chief. For all of DOD. He goes in front of the audience and he goes, can I swear? And the audience is like, yeah! <laughs> can I swear? Can I swear? Yes. Which means I go to a shitload of meetings. Uh, fuck yeah, exactly. <laughs> Please don't put that His on. main point to the DEF CON audience was that large language models were essentially these giant statistical machines that did not have the capacity to reason. A lot of the people there knew that. They were aware of it. Um, so I don't think that came as news to them. But what what I did think was, was newsy is having someone from the federal government be very clear in their skepticism. I'll tell you this. I asked a guy sitting next to me at the Martell speech what he thought of all, all the federal government ma- making their presence super clear at this conference. And he goes... I only care if you're competent and not a douchebag, <laughs> which I thought was was pretty utilitarian, made sense. Uh, equal opportunity. Uh, equal opportunity. Metric. After Martel effectively threw his the doors of the, the Pentagon open to the hacker community saying, hey, show us how these things break so that we can uh, use our task force, uh, Lima, to start building acceptability conditions for technology. His entire speech was interactive. He threw it open to the audience to, you know, essentially goes, I'm trying, I'm here to try and build bridges. You know, how do you see us using this thing? How do you see us, how do you see this uh, uh, breaking? After he goes through and does this thing, the guy next to me clapping uh, after he's he's done clapping uh, for Martel, he says, "The only the only qu- change I'd make to that quote is I only care if you're competent, willing to learn, and not a douchebag." So I want to address my quote <clears throat> because there's, I thought about it. Let's do it. And I was missing something. Yeah. So competent, and right in here, insert willing to learn. I think Martel making it clear that he's there to listen went over really well with the audience. 
honestly, that's the main difference. It's uh, DEF CON founder, organ, main organizer, uh, Jeff Moss, known as Dark Tangent. He he put it best. He He said AI has entered the chat. And that's one of the linchpins that's bringing government and this hacking community together. It does feel like AI was such a differentiator this year. And that's, as you said, kind of what has brought an increased present from government officials. Because as you said, they've, they've been there, but now it, it seems yeah. like it's even heavier. I mean, who, who was there? Like, wh- who were some of the, you know, Biden oh, officials or that, that made it out to Vegas? Arthi Prabhakar, who's the director of the White House's Office of Science and Tech Policy, uh, was there. Mayorkas was there again. We talked about Martel. Uh, Kemba Walden was there. She's, uh, I believe she's the head of ONCD. One of the main things that sort of stood out to me is how a lot of old tropes kept coming back up. Like people referenced war games a lot, Hmm. Um, which if you if you don't know, War Games is uh, a 1980s science fiction techno thriller film. It's got Matthew Broderick. Uh, it's it's fantastic. People loved it there. Why was it? Why? What about it? Like reminded them of that? Long story short, it was the story is about a hacker who unwittingly accesses a supercomputer, which like that's part of the core like tension with a lot of these AI models. Um, there was the discussion on how you could use AI to improve cybersecurity which is a conversation that has been happening every year. It's, it's just turbocharged now. And then, of course, the flip side of the conversation, which is how are adversaries going to be using large language models, these new artificial intelligence tools, to attack this giant uh, threat surface that is pretty much U.S. critical infrastructure, DOD um, threat surfaces, consumer stuff, like you name it. So that's that's kind of the government's interest in a lot of ways, right? It's like, how mm-hmm. can these hackers essentially pretend to be our enemies? And then we, we sort of use that to fortify our own defenses, our own systems. The federal government has been making outreach efforts to this community, the most private of private citizens, for a while now. I We're looking at a cultural shift from like, Hey, my stuff is mine. Don't hack into it. To, hey, tell us all the ways this way this can break. In fact, that's that's literally a thing that Craig Martell told a packed room. How, what acceptability conditions the government needs to put on the AI technologies that it acquires, or what it needs to look out for when it's trying to determine uh, the national security implications of the widespread use of AI, which we know. We know that that's been front and center for the White House's thinking on AI. You mentioned kind of this cultural shift that's happening, and it does seem like there's some movement on both sides here. You know, you have hackers who have long been kind of clandestine, now more open to transparency and engaging with the government, right? You have the government saying, okay, because of AI, we have to be experimental here. We have to think differently about cybersecurity. Like, what's really changed that has now brought those two sides closer together? Well, on the hacker side, I think it's very much a desire to avoid prosecution for pointing out the holes in various software systems. Um, sounds that, that would be motivating, it, I think. It would be nice not to go to jail for yeah. doing cybersecurity research. Um, but that's that's a pretty big motivator is like, hey, we're here. Our intentions are honest. We do this because we like it. Uh, we being the hacker community is like, 
the idea behind all of this is sort of if you have a sizable community that wants to contribute to safety research why it makes a ton of logical sense for the government to go to leverage that resource i i'm i'm making some sweeping generalizations here but it's not that hackers understand ai carte blanche right it this is also this also requires a lot of education work and that's what a bunch of people at defcon were doing is they were like defcon is a learning exercise for hackers coming like you might be very very proficient at one thing but not necessarily proficient at some other thing the, because this is kind of a new technology people are still learning there are there were demo stations set up for hackers and those were the same sorts of demos that were presented to policymakers um and you know the which kind of goes to show you you every everyone is really trying to get on the same page quickly mm. on what these technologies can do um and i think those those cross ties because uh, you know folks are kind of coming together in this space it just allows uh it just allows these these different big bodies to have some sort of alignment with each other at the very least we know that they're learning from the same stuff and i think one thing we've been seeing is the government is not a monolithic institution within the dod you have more and more sort of private sector technologists who've been uh following how industry does you know red teaming that that sort of thing and bringing they're bringing those learnings into the government so you you kind of you're kind of seeing this like interplay between industry the federal government and the hacker community where all three of them are going hey we can help each other and Defcon is one of those places where you see those three power centers interact with each other. And so when those power centers come together, I mean how from what you saw, like how well did they actually mesh there on the ground? I will say this, I don't think the mesh is complete until I see Mayorkas or Walden or Martel like Martel taking part in one of those one of their karaoke competitions or like Hacker Jeopardy like that's the bar to clear. That's the that's the bar to clear. No what i'm what i'm practically saying is many of the people i spoke to on the ground welcomed uncle sam's presence because it was sort of like hey we're not doing anything bad here like come over and see what we're doing so you don't arrest us down the line but i think many of them are still kind of holding their breath on whether this is lip service or whether this actually like works out into something that improves the US's cyber standing in the long run. So far the hacker community that I interacted with at Defcon tentatively welcomed the government presence. There was a little bit of griping about how this wasn't the subversive Defcon of the old days, but the community is growing up. They're professionalizing. They're they're aware of the of the benefits of these these sorts of alliances. There was one exchange at Defcon that to me seemed like illustrative maybe of kind of a culture clash if you will between these two worlds right where there were comments made that um you know typically for government work especially in security you have to take and pass a drug test right and so there was a kind of and there was a suggestion that like maybe that could be eased in some way for folks working in in cybersecurity and and in hacking right which to me just like you know i i don't know that speaks to like kind of a dissonance between this like suit culture and this like 
cargo short t-shirt, uh, t- this cargo short t-shirt culture. I-, I think I know what you're talking about. You're, I think you're referring to ONCD acting director Kemba Walden um, floating this idea that if you did smoke weed, marijuana, you could still apply for a job, see what happens. Like, see what happens is not necessarily a strong policy stance, but there were multiple talks at DEF CON where um, you had government officials floating the idea of a more, like, of of outreach to a non-traditional community. Like, to me, that outreach is sort of a, hey, we're, we're willing to... to be a little flexible if you'll come work for us. Like, right. It, 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 like to me, it, it indicates, okay, we know, we know you're different from us, right? And, yeah. some, and like we have to kind of embrace some of these differences in order to work together if that's the goal here. Yeah, it's, these are multiple really big stones moving, like big rocks moving slowly towards each other. Like there's a lot that, that like still needs to be done here. You can't really count on the expertise of a lot of these if you are supremely rigid about who gets to consult on your projects. I guess one more question for you, and that's, you know, I know one of the takeaways from watching all this up close was, like, these two worlds benefiting from each other, you know, maybe even needing each other, right? What does this alliance look like going forward? I think one of the ways I'm thinking through this is do we have a clear pipeline for private citizens to conduct security research and submit their findings to the federal government? If this is a thing that various branches of the federal government wants to have happen going forward, we're only really kind of at the, looking at the tip of the iceberg at the moment. You have signaling that, that basically says, hey, we're, we're welcoming your feedback. But keeping an eye on what that concretely looks like from a policy standpoint, if your question was like, what does this alliance look like? I honestly don't think anyone has the answer to that. It's, it's difficult, I think, for private citizens to have a stance together. You're doing, you're crowdsourcing your cybersecurity research, basically. To do that effectively is a pretty tall order, but it, it's incumbent upon the federal government to try and figure out how to do that. Right. It's one thing to kind of send your officials to Vegas and, like, everyone get together and talk on stage. It's a, it's a different, uh, you know, it's a, it's a different ballgame when you get into, you know, rulemaking and public comments and guidelines and kind of the, you know, Come basically come back from the party in Vegas to to DC and like try. I mean, to what put do you do? What do you do now with probably hundreds of people like who have opinions on like cyber issues, on software issues, on like holds and existing systems and new ones? Basically, all looking to you, looking for your attention, being like, "Hey, pay attention. This this is a flaw I found." How do you figure out how to so- parse through all of that input and take concrete policy action? Right. How do you do that quickly? These are questions of emerging policy. Like we've, we're only just beginning to see uh, this sort of open embrace. So kind of dealing with the aftermath of that open embrace is, is where I'm kind of 
seeing this play out. Well, I'm sure we will be reading your coverage on that. Mohar, thank you for being on the Politico Tech podcast. Thank you for having me. That's all for Politico Tech today. For more technology news, subscribe to our newsletters, Digital Future Daily and Morning Tech. Music in today's show comes from the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. Our senior producer is Annie Reese. Our editors are Steve Heuser and Louisa Savage. I'm Stephen Overly, and I'll see you back here tomorrow. 